What's up, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can help this show to grow while also getting access to our exclusive Pride content, which includes shows like Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, Special Interviews, Lions of Liberty Roundtables, and much, much more. So check that out. Help us grow at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, each and every single Friday, we focus on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. This is one of three shows that we have here every single week on Felony Friday. We kick off every week with our Monday show hosted by Mark Clare, our longest running flow, our flagship program, where Mark interviews leaders in the liberty movement. He hosts from time to time some roundtable discussions, our very popular libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor be in the format for those roundtable shows. Check those out if you haven't yet. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. Brian is doing a fantastic job with Electric Liberty Land. And of course, Friday, this show, Felony Friday. And as our listeners know, or hopefully do know, as We've been talking about on Facebook, on our Facebook page, trying to get the word out and in the Lions of Liberty Forum and different social media, letting you guys know that we did have some trouble last week with our podcast feed. So there is a very good chance that a lot of you did not get my episode last Friday with Adam Kokesh. That was episode 121 of Felony Friday. You can either go to the show notes page at lionsofliberty.com slash FF121 or go on wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get it, go back and download that episode because we're not sure if everybody got it. So you might have to go in and grab it yourself. It should be sitting there on the feed. It was a great interview with Adam Kokesh. And also Monday's show with Mark, episode 345. So at lionsofliberty.com slash 345, his interview, Mark's interview with Anthony Samerhoff. I think I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. Of the Scottish Liberty podcast. That one too. You guys might have missed that one because of some issues with the feed. So go check that out. Go to the show notes page, wherever you need to get it. iTunes, Stitcher. Download that episode. We don't want you guys to miss any of these phenomenal episodes. And when you're there, be sure if you haven't, subscribe. Subscribe to this show. Make sure you get it delivered to your inbox every single week. And we have made steps We've made steps in the past few days because we, we can't have hangups like this. We can't have a couple of days go by where we're supposed to be giving you guys content where it doesn't happen. So we didn't get the response that we demand that, uh, that ultimately is acceptable. It was an unacceptable response from our former uh, podcast host. I won't name who they are, but you guys probably know who they are. Um, unacceptable. So we've moved podcast hosts and we're on a much more secure uh, podcasting platform, one that all the biggest people in podcasting use. So we're excited. We're excited for this new venture. We're excited to see um, how the show grows more rapidly now with a better, more improved 
podcasting platform. So without further ado, I am sitting right now in a very hot room. It is very warm here in Pittsburgh, recording this at night, but it's still warm. We don't have the air conditioning on yet, so I'm going to get through this intro fast. This is episode 122 of Felony Friday. You'll be able to find the show notes page at lionsofliberty.com slash FF122. Let's roll with this show. My guest today on Felony Friday is Farah Demeca. Farah is a libertarian who has suffered from some absurd Florida laws. Farah actually ended up with a felony for traffic offenses. I know that sounds ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, but... Crazy things happen in Florida. So this is an unbelievable story, and we're going to dig into the details, and Farrah's going to share all of that with you. So Farrah, thank you so much for coming on Felony Friday. Thank you for having me. I was introduced to you by a, uh, a listener of this podcast who had heard about your story, heard about the injustice you suffered from down in Florida, which um, I think you've now moved from Florida, so you've you uh, fleed that state, probably in a uh, probably a wise move. That's right. But we're definitely going to dig into those details. Before we do that, though, I know you're you're a libertarian. So, did this episode, did these, uh, you know, the injustice you suffered from in Florida, did that have anything to do with you becoming a libertarian, or were you a libertarian beforehand? No, it. it I uh, was not a libertarian before. Uh, this is a major factor in what led me down the liberty path. So was a i'm embarrassed to say this i was a democrat that's prior okay to this. <laughs> Every, everyone's got to start somewhere right yeah yeah <laughs> i was a republican and i voted for george w bush so i feel like i'm in aa i gotta say that to <laughs> just get it off my chest but we're libertarians now so it's all good yes so let's let's get to the you know the heart of the story what really happened here so you're how many years ago was this first to start okay i'm 35. Uh, the felony happened when I was 22. So what is that, 13 years ago? Okay. So so 13 years ago, you're you're living in Florida. Um, so so what happened? You had traffic offenses. What kind of what kind of offenses were they? The way Florida law is set up, I'm sure you've heard of the three strikes you're out or the habitual offender laws. A lot of states have that. Florida um Florida has a habitual offender traffic clause where if you are caught doing a, uh, if you're convicted of a serious traffic offense, like driving on a suspended license, for example, it's a, uh, it's a uh, three strikes. If you get three of them in a lifetime, you become a felon. So I uh, drove without a license at 14 or 15 years old and um, got in trouble for that. And then again, at, uh, uh, I want to say 18 or 19, I didn't pay a parking ticket on time and uh, they ran my tags and pulled me over and I got a ticket for driving on a suspended. And then one more time when I was 22, again, for not paying a traffic ticket, tra traffic ticket on time. So I, uh, th that was my third strike and I became a felon and I can go into more detail about how complicated that is, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get into all those details. I just want, I just want to make sure I understand the, the actual offenses. So the first one. You're 14 years old, and you're driving without a license. How did you? How how did that happen? Was that the first <laughs> time you'd driven, or had you been driving yeah. for a while? No, I hadn't been driving for a while. Um, I was just kind of bold as a kid, and I uh, borrowed my mom's car to uh, visit a friend while my mom was sleeping, and I brought it back. But my mom uh, 
was angry with me. So she, the next morning when she found out, she uh, reported me to the police. So, <laughs> oh man, you know, I, I always, I have, I have a coworker right now who's uh, having some you know, struggles with her teenage boys. And she was said the other day, I'm just going to call the police on them and that'll set them straight. I'm like, no, do not do that. Do not get the police involved. Whatever you do, do not get the police involved. That's the last, absolute last resort. But it's, that's common. There's a lot of parents just think, you know, I'll, I'll just scare the kid and it'll help. But no, it does not help. And my mom has apologized. Uh, she she was told by the officer at the time that oh, it's a juvenile record. It'll be expunged or erased when she hits eighteen, and that's not true. It's not true in Florida. I don't know if it is in other states, but not in Florida. Yeah, I think I mean I think that is true in most states, but I guess Florida. I don't know why. Do you have any idea why Florida does that, or they're just assholes? I uh, yeah, I went into the uh, courthouse to try to have my record sealed or expunged. Um, they told me that if you're uh, adjudicated guilty, or if you plead no contest or guilty, and it's a misdemeanor or greater that uh, it's on your permanent record that you can file with, you can get an attorney to file. But if you have more than one arrest ever, even as an adult, that it's, it's, you can't get it expunged. It's, it's permanent. That's what I was told at the courthouse in Pinellas County, Florida. So craziness. So you had that the first instance when you were 14 years old, then you're older and you had a, a ticket and they ran your plate. You had a suspended license. So what, what happened? How did you get a, how did you get a suspended license in the first place? I guess. Uh, not, I didn't pay. Uh, I was a single mom working on minimum wage and they did not pay a parking. I got a parking ticket. I went to pick up a friend at a bus terminal and I parked at the meter and I was asking someone for change like five feet away. And I still got a ticket from the meter person. She <laughs> wrote me a ticket and I didn't pay the ticket in time. So this all comes down to, to parking tickets, really? Yeah. To not paying the putting quarters in a meter on time. Yes. All of it is from par- either parking or, or speeding tickets. Yes. That's unbelievable. Um, obviously, no no victims here. The only victim in this whole situation is you. Yeah. Incredibly frustrating. At what point did you end up a felon? You said that it's, it's three strikes, so the third time. Like, what was the what was the process when you did get that third strike? Um, this was uh, I'm so sorry. It was so many years ago. Uh, I got it. I was pulled over for again driving to uh, work without a license again for not paying a ticket on time. Um, I was not arrested. I was just given a ticket and the officer was really nice about it, but he has no choice once he's run my tags too. Uh, I just happened to be driving through a bad neighborhood. So I got my tags run. Um, Let's see. I went to court. My public defender said, Oh, you could do five years in prison for this. I highly suggest we, you know, do five years of offer five years of probation. And he, I, he scared me. I said, okay. He said all that. And then the prosecutor said, actually, she's not been in any trouble before. We were just going to, you know, give her like 10 days of wearing, what is it? House arrest and Mm -hmm. call it a day. So that's what they did. But in the meantime, of course, it's a felony. Uh, And I have uh, attempted to have my rights restored, but in Florida, that's just about impossible. So do you have, would you have, I know you've left Florida, but do you have voting rights in Florida or are they not even I that? Not, no, nothing. 
And obviously, so you you can't buy a gun, I guess? Right, exactly. Does that follow nope. you to, because now you've moved, does that follow to your new state? It does. Uh, federal law prohibits any um, any felon in any state to uh, own a weapon, a, a gun specifically, a firearm, if they have not had their rights restored in the state that they got the felony in. Most states make getting your civil rights back pretty easy. Not easy, but compared to Florida, very easy. Uh, Florida is not easy. But yeah, no, I can't vote or own a firearm just about anywhere. I think Maryland and Maryland and Arizona are two states that will allow me to vote. Oh, I think Pennsylvania will too. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, I guess maybe depending on the felony, I think that most felons can vote. Anyway, have you had other obstacles put in your way? I mean, has this affected employment, housing, things like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I am humiliated every time I have to apply for a job or uh, apply for a home. Um, the housing is the probably the worst, you know, to have to look your landlord in the face and explain that you're a felon. Uh, people don't like that word. They assume criminal, they assume you've done prison time or that you've hurt somebody badly or something like that. Uh, it's not the case for me, but I, it's embarrassing for me to have to continue to explain that, especially again, it's, it's nonviolent. It's pretty much victimless. I didn't get any accidents or anything, you know, no one was hurt, but I'm a felon and it has kept me from getting jobs. I don't even get, if, if I can't make a face to face interview with somebody, I won't be offered the job period just because I check, check the box. Are, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Yes. I will not even get a call back. Yeah, I had had a, a couple of weeks ago I had Sarah Brady Wagner on the show and she was talking about how back when she was in college she was she didn't actually sell Adderall to uh to someone else but she was she was going to she had Adderall on her that was not in her prescription bottle. So and it was it was a setup, it was it was a sting. There was an undercover cop there and she ended up doing some time in jail for that. As crazy as that sounds. But she says, um, and she works as, I think, as a nanny mostly, that what's helped her is like when she gets a job interview, that like waiting as long as possible to talk about the felony. Because, you know, somebody, you get a rapport with someone and they understand that you're, you know, you're building a relationship, you're a normal person. Then you can say at the end of it, yeah, by the way, you know, when you do my background check, you're, you're going to find this. And I mean, if if I was the one interviewing you or interviewing Sarah Brady Wagner, um, I think my first instinct would be, I mean, are you serious? Is this real? I mean, people actually get felonies for shit like this? But I don't know. I mean, I would think probably if it goes that way and people don't run the record, if people run it first, they might just see felonies and just throw it out. But I mean, that's one of the big reasons that I support for the most part, I support ban the box. As a libertarian, I don't want to force private companies to do that um, per se because it's their company; they can run their company as they wish. But mm -hmm. what's your stance on ban the box? Do you think that it should be just because of how the criminal justice system is set up to really foster injustice that it should be across the board? I, I agree with you completely. I think that uh, I believe that a uh, if I were a business owner, I should have the right to hire based on whatever criteria I choose. 
uh, but I don't think it should be regulated. But then I I could go on and on about what I don't think should be regulated by the government. So. So speaking of that, speaking of what what shouldn't shouldn't be regulated by the government, you being a libertarian, how did you find the Libertarian Party? You said that this this experience uh, played a role in that. How did that play out? I didn't know that there was anything beyond the two party system. Um, a friend of mine who was a libertarian, maybe seven years ago, uh, recommended a book by Robert J. Ringer called uh, Restoring the American Dream. So I read that and I agreed with it. It, it espoused all the things I believed. So I then started getting into um, Ron Paul and later uh, Mises and so on uh and learned about uh hayek and it just kind of snowballed but but initially that was what happened is a friend of mine recognized that i was a libertarian at heart i just didn't know what libertarianism was hey guys this is roger paxton and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life but you're not listening to the lava flow podcast yet then what's wrong with you check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government the Lava Flow Podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, Liberty Rockers, this is Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Each week, I strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, economists, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check it out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com or find us on iTunes. Each show is action-packed, explicit, and a lot of fun. So join me at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com every week for the newest episode. Keep liberty alive and rock and roll. That's interesting. I mean, most people, most people's stories when you know they they share how they became a libertarian. I mean, to be frank, most people, it's it's Ron Paul. It's something at least younger people, people our age, probably you know mid thirties and below. It's something Ron Paul said during a debate or something like that that really triggered their thinking and then sent them down the path to start researching it and find a book. But I think it's pretty cool that somebody just gave you a book. And and you read it. I mean, you were open to the ideas. So yeah, I would say you were definitely probably already thinking along those lines. I would think I was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's uh, that I was espousing the concepts prior to knowing what they what what the word for it was. I was already libertarian. I just didn't know it. I didn't know what to call it. Right on. So did you? I mean, were you small L libertarian then? I mean, have have you joined the Libertarian Party? Where do you stand now? Not that it matters. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I kind of felt so disenfranchised because of the felony thing that I thought I didn't have a voice, or if I had a voice, it was, am I allowed to say shit posting? It's that sort of thing online. Uh, not um, not getting involved like with my hands, not getting into it. And I've recently learned that I can. I've uh. So I plan to, but um, no, I have not been involved at all other than um, online a little bit here and there, but I plan to. And and as far as my personal politics, I'm a little bit more 
and cap in theory, but in practice, uh, big L libertarian works fine for me. It's, uh, the way it's the way it's on the road, the same road. It's the next stop on the road. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of and caps in the uh, libertarian party. I just interviewed. So I, th- I think your interview is going to run right after Adam Kokesh. And of course, Adam Kokesh is running for president in 2020 on the platform mm-hmm. of a peaceful, uh, really acting as a bankruptcy agent coming in and peacefully uh, closing down the federal government, really taking it apart piece by piece in a peaceful way. So that's amazing that you can be a member of a political party and vote for someone to completely defund the government. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I'm, uh, I'm all, if I could vote, I would be voting for uh, almost any uh, libertarian candidate possible. I say almost, but you know, we're not going to go there. You could run for office. You can't vote, but you can run, right? Somebody said that. I didn't know that. I just learned that maybe yesterday. Really? A friend of mine told me that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not really- in Florida, uh, Florida is, I, their law specifically states you can't uh, run for office, but I guess in other states I could or federally I could. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Most states, I know in Pennsylvania, that's where I live. I'm pretty sure that felons can, can run for office. I'm sure mo- probably most states you can. But if you really think about it, I mean, voting—the way that our, you know, former government's set up—it's—it's it's important. I mean, I think it's—it's it's a good right to have. Obviously, um, I don't necessarily think it's important to vote on on everything. Um, yeah, you know, there was a time when I was younger that I was anti-voting and I thought I was buying into the system and just endorsing this course of government, which to to some degree it is. But at the same time, there's there's things that are more powerful than voting. I mean. Um, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but having having a podcast, you can reach a lot more people than just you know registering one vote or starting a YouTube channel or something, running for office, working on someone's campaign. You can reach more people, you know, knocking on doors, spreading the message that way. Voting, I mean, when's the last election that was decided by one vote? I, I mean, has there ever been one? So, right. it's, I mean. It's 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 nice to be able to vote, but yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't let that you know dissuade you from uh, participating in politics for sure. Absolutely, I've I've been refreshed. This has been a great uh, a great year for me, and I I'm uh, ready to get involved. Well, that's cool. Based on this entire experience, well, I guess one question I want to ask. So I did bring up before we were talking about my prior uh, interview a couple weeks ago. Um, with uh, Sarah Brady Wagner on the Adderall, what kind of reaction, like percentage-wise, when you do have an interview for a job or for you know buying a house or or whatever, like what how what percentage of the people have a reaction that you know they turn their nose up and say felon, compared to what percentage say you know are are you kidding me? Like this happened to you? I'm so sorry. Oh. I'm likable face to face people. If I have the opportunity to get my foot in the door, people usually like me. So I, if I get my foot in the door and I have a face to face meeting with someone, I have never had anyone turn me away, but I have had people have reservations or, um, tell me that the only reason that they would rent to me would be that my husband was in the military and has an upstanding record and stuff. Uh, that he was the one uh, pulling it through for me. So 
uh, I, uh, full disclosure, I'm a stay at home mom. I homeschool six kids. So I, um, haven't had to apply for a job in a while. Well, that is a full-time job homeschooling six kids. That's no joke. What, uh, what curriculum do you use? Uh, we move frequently. I have been, uh, using, I was using a K-12 in Georgia, but, uh, at this point I'm not using a curriculum. I'm living in Alabama, so I can pick what I want. And I just kind of cobble together my own things. We, again, we just arrived here and I've, uh, I haven't been in one state for more than a few months for a couple of years. So is, is a lot of it online? I mean, how much, how much can be done online compared to, I know back in the day, homeschooling was, it was really intensive for the, uh, for the parent. I'm sure it still is, but. It is. Uh, I do less online than I used to. Um, mostly my teenager, my uh, high school student, he does his curriculum online, but the younger kids, mostly book work. And it is a little difficult because of the uh, age gap. I have to kind of sit with each one of them and uh, pay close attention to what they're doing and work with them individually. And since everybody's a different age, we're doing different curriculum. So different, different things we're learning. I don't find it to be as hard. It is really hard, but it's not as hard as to, to be honest, when my kids were in public school, I feel like the homework they sent home was just as much work as this. Yeah. I mean, I, I have one young daughter. She's only two and a half, so she's not in school yet. But when I go to visit my sister, she has four kids and one's in middle school, one's in like fifth grade. And it is, it's insane the amount of work they send home. I mean, you're sending your kid to school, public school for eight, nine hours and they come home and they got to do two hours of homework. What? I mean, right? what the hell is the point of that? Exactly. It doesn't make sense. What it, What are the teachers even doing if they're sending the work home for me to do with them? Uh, and also, I don't think it, uh, children benefit from sitting and looking at paperwork for that many hours a day. I think uh, seven or nine hours a day at school is a little a little much. So then the extra couple hours at home is ridiculous to me. It's enough. 100%, 100% agree. Now, did um, learning about libertarian ideas, did that get you into homeschooling or were you homeschooling before that? libertarianism is a good fit for me because it's, it fits my personality. I think if libertarianism didn't exist, I would still be doing exactly the things I'm doing and believing the things I believe and acting the way I act. So I think I would have homeschooled regardless because I, I hate to say it this way, but I have a distrust of the government and a dislike for being coerced into programs and uniformity that I uh, don't necessarily agree with. And even if I did, I don't like being coerced. So um, I don't know. I, I don't think I would have, even if not for my libertarian beliefs, I don't think I would have liked sending my kids to public school. I never did enjoy it. And I didn't like a lot of the things they came home with, things they're learning in school, the uh, inherent historical dishonesty and um, some of the bad habits they bring home as well from other students. The thing for me, and I have a couple more years before I got to make a decision on it. Um, and we are, we are lucky where I live in Pittsburgh. I understand that public schools do. I mean, they do have issues and I have big issues with public schools, especially from you know, like you were saying, the history they teach. But from at least a science and math standpoint, the public school system where I live is is excellent. But 
and I'm, I do five years before I make a decision for my daughter. But I mean, you you keep seeing the stuff that they're, they're teaching in in colleges. It, it's like what they used to teach in college when I went to college. You know, the liberal just shoving down, shoving all this liberal propaganda down your throat. It's like it's being compressed now down into the high school and middle school and elementary levels. And probably what's happened is a bunch of these teachers who, when I was in college, you know, they were in college at the same time. Now they're out teaching, and this. Propaganda is now they're the uh, the government agents for it, and it's it's really a vicious vicious thing that's going on um, with the indoctrinate indoctrination of our of our youth. And I don't know. I mean, if if I would have had to think about this probably ten years ago, I would say you know I was pretty libertarian ten years ago. I would say no. Nah, I mean, I'll, I'll send my kids to public schools. You know, they'll. They'll just, you know, I'll just teach them what to avoid and what's what's wrong and what's, you know, what's the propaganda, what's and what to believe. But yeah, what's, I mean, what's the point in doing that? Just so, you know, just so you're not different than other people. You know, I try to challenge myself. Like when I'm making a decision like that, am I doing that because it's the best decision, or is it because, you know, I just don't want to do something radically different? I don't know. It's it's difficult for sure. I give you credit yeah, for for taking that on. Public school is convenient. I'll give you that. I mean, I'm not saying that's what you said, but uh, it is, though. I can see for people who work and um, single parents and people who uh, don't feel they've got the time or the skills to homeschool, I completely understand. Uh, I wish that charter and private schools were more accessible, uh, and I would probably be doing something like that. But it hasn't arisen in my life yet. We'll see. I, so far, I feel like we've done okay. Maybe one day it'll change. Uh, now that I have a high school age student, I'm a little concerned that maybe I need to get a tutor for him so that I don't fail at anything, especially the science and math parts, which aren't my strong suit. He has watched YouTube videos, right? You learn everything there? No. Right. He's already surpassed me in math. It's true, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I, I barely got through math myself when I was in high school. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be able to help my kid with that, I don't think. Oh, another, uh, that's another thing, the common core math. I, that's another thing I'm not interested. I know some people really like that, but I don't like when my kid comes home with homework that is so convoluted and difficult that I can't figure it out. It's, well, uh, isn't there like an aspect of that where... Like I understand some of the Common Core where it makes sense, like to break it down. I don't know if you're taking like, you know, eleven or I'm gonna do a terrible example here. Probably if you're doing like four times forty-four, and so take the four times forty first, and then four times four and add them together. That makes sense. I mean, I would do that in yeah. my head. But there's other aspects of it where, like, if you don't show your work properly of that, you don't get credit. Yeah, I think it was a little more uh, from what my kids were bringing home when they were in school. It was a little more complicated than that. It, it ended up being much bigger and more complicated problems, uh, especially through elementary school that uh, I well, personally, I felt it didn't make any sense. And my their dad is an electrical engineer and my dad's a mathematician. So I think I trust their judgment when they say that shit is stupid. Pardon my, pardon my cussing. I'll stop. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. And now it's it's all it's all right to swear. 
This is a uh, libertarian podcast, the one, the okay. one that airs before mine every Wednesday, Electric Liberty Land, uh, Brian, hosted by Brian McWilliams. Um, there's plenty, plenty of cusses on there, so our listeners are, are very, uh, very used to that. But Farah, okay. uh, it's been great talking with you. Obviously, your story, the injustice that you've suffered from here, nobody should. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's laughable. Um, this stuff that they've that they put you through, and not laughable in a funny way, laughable in a in a sad way, if that even makes sense. But just just in conclusion, looking back on this, on this experience that's happened in your life, um, you know, what would you have done things differently if if you know if you could go back and change things? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I absolutely take responsibility for my bad decisions and uh, know I could have handled things differently. I also feel the punishment doesn't fit the crime and uh, I can't take it back, but I, but I wish I could undo. I also wish I had had the, the money to A, pay the tickets and B, maybe get an attorney that could have helped me out at that time. But at that stage in my life, I wasn't financially able to fix it. And now that I'm financially able to fix it, it's too late. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what the system does. And that's, I mean, the people that suffer from the most are, are the ones who, um, you know, don't have the means to to really fight it. Absolutely. And really a, a lot of the time, especially at the federal level, even if you have the means to fight it and pay a lawyer, it's probably not even worth it because if the Fed, you know, if the feds want to get you on some kind of conspiracy offense or drug related offense, something like that, some sort of nonviolent crime, they're going to get you. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. You reminded me of Silk Road when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. You have Ross, Ross Ulbrich. Um, yep. Remember that story well. The thing with Ross, and I would love to have the opportunity to interview Ross. I don't even know if it's possible if he can be interviewed from prison. It's probably not. They probably wouldn't allow that, allow that to happen. But the thing with him, I mean, a brilliant guy, you know, puts this puts this whole uh, system together on the internet to really make a more peaceful way of selling these illicit drugs, really making society better, a less violent place. And and they took him out for that, which is mm-hmm. which is crazy. But at the same time, like yourself, you were saying um, for your own experience, you did break the law. Um, the laws aren't just, but you did break them. Same thing with Ross at a much you know maybe a much more egregious level. Those laws aren't just either. Um, drugs right. should be legal. You know, consenting adults should be able to transact and you know put put whatever they want in their body, but. Ross knew what he was getting into, and I've I've gotten crap from libertarians before for saying, you know, that probably wasn't the smartest thing for him to do because you know it was only a matter of time. The feds weren't going to let him get away with that. But Absolutely. Anyway, um, so in closing, here, do you have any uh, any words of advice or or wisdom for the uh, Felony Friday audience before I let you go? Oh, you give, you're giving me an opportunity that that's, I'm going to think of what to say after I'm not, I'm not here anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I don't have anything else to say. Okay. Thank fair. You, well, th- thanks so much for coming on the show and I wish you the best of luck in your new home in Alabama and uh, best of luck homeschooling those six kids. I'm sure that's I'm sure that's stressful and uh, great talking with you. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much, John. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's interview with Farah Domeka. Really, just an 
extreme case of injustice. We've had a couple of these recently where really you hear them and it's kind of like, what? You know, your face just kind of makes that weird thing and your your lip comes up and you're like, what? What? That happens to people? You can get a felony for not paying parking tickets? It's crazy. It's crazy that it happens. But it does. It does happen. And I was happy to have Farah come on and talk about her experience. But also, um, she spent a good amount of time with us and, and stayed around to talk about her philosophy of liberty, homeschooling her children. Just a great conversation. It's always good to talk with another libertarian. So I hope you guys enjoyed that today. I'm going to keep this very brief because I just, before uh, recording this conclusion here, I just finished recording with uh, Brian McWilliams and Rico. Um, you guys obviously know Brian and Rico. We record a show called Degenerate Gamblers that is a bonus, a pride-only show. And typically, we keep those shows to about 20, 30 minutes, maybe at most. We recorded over an hour-long show before this. So everything is pushed back, and I'm crunched to uh, finish editing Felony Friday on the Thursday night before. Dealing with an injured ankle. I did have ankle surgery last week, so... I'm going to keep this very brief so I can finish my recording and get downstairs to the couch to uh, elevate my, my foot so it stops throbbing and uh, get some ice on it so it feels a little better. It may be take a few painkillers. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So very brief, just one thing I want to say. I did tell you at the outset, we did switch our podcast hosting platform. We did that for you guys. Our pride, our Lions of Liberty pride is going to remain where it is now, the same setup. Nothing's changing. The way to access that setup will always be, to join the Pride, it's always going to be, you go to lionsofliberty.com support. Now, we probably will down the road change where our Pride is set up and how the content is, is uh, pushed out and everything. It will get better. I guarantee you that. I can promise you that. It will get big league better. I promise you that. That's going to happen. It's my little Donald Trump terrible impersonation. Join the Pride. Like I said, if, if you want to get access to... Uh, you know, just the just the bonus content. If you want to hear this phenomenal, and I'm, I'm going to say that might be the best uh, bonus podcast we've ever recorded. Definitely the best degenerate gamblers. So if you want to hear that, you're going to have to join the pride. You can get that, get access to that episode in every single bonus episode we've ever recorded for joining the pride. LionsLiberty.com/support for joining for just five dollars a month. Now, of course, if you want to give us some more money, we are trying to reach some goals. We are trying to go to the uh, Libertarian Party convention in New Orleans, the Libertarian Party National Convention in New Orleans, which is at the very beginning of July. Uh, To do that, we set a goal of getting to $1,500 a month Pride-funded subscriptions. Right now, we're just at about $1,100, a little bit over. So we got a ways to go. So if you want to give us a little more, that would be fantastic. We have a $10, $15, $2,500 level. What you get goes up incrementally the more you give. It's a novel idea, what you get in return. At that $15 level, one of the most popular levels, people are really enjoying the weekly news links that we send out. Every Monday through Friday, you get an array of news links curated by our own Howie Snowden, uh, split up into different categories from liberty to politics to criminal justice to culture to mainstream media to foreign policy to cryptocurrency, everything, everything. So you will be the most informed person in your friend group and you will know everything there is to know about everything. And with that, I'm going to leave it at that and go sit on my couch. Thank you guys so much for listening today. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.